Good day again to all of you and welcome to our online worship service. We are glad that you can join us. At this point, allow me to greet you a belated Merry Christmas. I hope you and your family had a wonderful and meaningful time as you celebrated and remembered the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are continuing our series entitled From Ruin to Glory. We're studying two minor prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. God sent these two prophets to encourage and mobilize his people to finish rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem, which the people left for ruins in 16 years. Now, before we continue, let's have a quick review of what we've learned so far. On the first day of the sixth month, Haggai preached his first sermon to God's people. His message, first things first, make God your first priority. And the result, the people came together and they began to work on the house of the Lord on the 24th day of the sixth month. Next, on the 21st day of the seventh month, Haggai gave God's second command to his people, or second message. You see, after working for just about a month, the people were again discouraged. Why? Because they started comparing. They felt that their best was not enough. They tried to work so hard and they realized that it was not easy. But Haggai encouraged them by saying, Fear not, for God is with you. So do the hard work and the hard work. In the third message, in the eighth month, God sent the prophet and the priest Zechariah. Zechariah preached to God's people and gave them a double dose of encouragement. We learned that through Zechariah, the Lord remembers and he blesses his people at his appointed time. And this is the message of Zechariah. To experience God's blessing, start right. Begin with a repentant heart, study and learn from the past, and submit to God's enduring word. And today, we'll look at God's fourth message to his people. After we've heard from Zechariah, we'll now go back again to Haggai. And our passage is found in Haggai chapter 2, verses 10 to 19. I invite you to open your Bibles with me and follow along. Now, this is the message of the prophet Haggai. Holiness brings blessing. Holiness brings blessing. And with this lesson, God calls us to do these things. To be holy and to be blessed. Let us turn to God completely. Let us treat our sins seriously and let us take time to reflect and obey immediately. Let's look at this one by one. The first, turn to God completely. Haggai chapter 2 verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet. Notice that it's already the ninth month. It means that Haggai gave this fourth message after four, uh, four months after his first message. Also, Haggai delivered this word just around one month after Zechariah. At this point, the people had already started work in the temple. Remember how they listened and promptly obeyed after Haggai's first message in chapter 1 verse 12? And yet, God still sees his people as being unholy and unclean. And that is why God called Zechariah to preach on the need for repentance if the people were to experience God's blessing. Now, God sent Haggai to give this follow-up message about sin. This time, his focus is not on repentance, but on holiness. You see, this is God's message for us and to his people. Returning to God involves both repentance from sin and walking in obedience and holiness. Returning to God involves both repenting from sins and walking in obedience and holiness. Zechariah focused on the first part of returning to God. He reminded God's people that repentance brings blessing. 
Now, Haggai, on the other hand, focused on the second part of returning to God. And his message is about holiness, that holiness brings blessings. You see, God could not bless his people the way he wanted to because they still remain unclean. Why? It is because they have not truly returned to God completely. Outwardly, they were already fulfilling their religious obligations. They were offering sacrifices. They were already working on rebuilding the temple. In today's language, we can say that they were already doing the church stuff. They were doing the spiritual stuff, the good things. Externally, the people seemed to be doing God's work. They were serving. They were doing the good work. And yet, God knows that His people have not yet returned to Him completely. God still considers them unclean and rendered their offerings as unacceptable. Why? Because their hearts were far from God. Their priority was not God but themselves. And what is my proof? Look at verse 14. The Lord said in Haggai 2.14, What they offer is still unclean. And here is the lesson that we can learn from this. Returning to God does not necessarily mean returning to God. I mean, returning to good does not necessarily mean returning to God. So let me repeat that. Returning to good does not necessarily mean returning to God. The people may be doing good work, but God wanted to tell them that He doesn't just want them to return to good. He wants them to return to Him wholeheartedly. You see, God will not settle for superficial spirituality. It's so easy to think that just because someone is doing lots of good works, they may have a close relationship with God. If someone is very active in ministry, and especially if their ministry is growing, we think that all must be well with their relationship with God. Recently, we've heard of some megachurch pastors who were caught in sexual sins. This is very sad. But if you think about it, during the time they were in sin, their ministries were thriving. They were doing impressive work. Their lives seem to be blessed and the world considers them as successful. It appeared that they were so close to God, but in reality, their hearts were far from Him. So we should be very careful. Don't rely on external markers to conclude that all is well spiritually. Peter Scazzero in his book, Emotionally Healthy Leadership, says it well. It is possible to build a church, an organization, or a team by relying on our own gifts, talents, and experience. We can serve Christ in our own energy and wisdom. We can expand a ministry or a business without thinking much of Jesus or relying on Him in the process. We can boldly preach truth we don't live, and if our efforts prove successful, few people will notice or take issue with the gaps between who we are and what we do. And the Lord Jesus Christ warns us also about doing good things in His name and yet doing it without Him. Matthew 7 Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me you workers of lawlessness. So dear friends, let us examine ourselves. Is there a gap between what you do in public and who you are in private? You see, it is great to finally start doing the good work that God is calling us to do. Maybe He's calling you to rebuild your life or rebuild your marriage. Maybe God is asking you to start discipling your children or to start serving others. 
But before that, you need to ask yourself, am I truly returning to God? Or more specifically, ask this question, am I genuinely repentant? Am I pursuing holiness? Or am I still worldly? May God help us. Now, let me make this clear. When we believe in Christ and surrender our lives to Him, Jesus took away all our sins and gave us His full righteousness. So in Christ, God now considers us holy. God now sees in us the perfect righteousness of Jesus. This is what the theologians call the believer's positional righteousness or positional holiness. This is the first step in our sanctification process. Sanctification meaning it is the process of being made holy or being separated for God. Sanctification is the process of growing spiritually to become like Christ. However, this process of sanctification continues throughout our lifetime. As we live our daily lives, God calls us to exercise what theologians call the believer's practical righteousness or practical holiness. And this is where many of the commands in the Bible to obey God fit in. God commands us to follow Him, to carry our own cross and make every effort to grow in holiness. For example, 1 Peter 1, 15-16. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, why does God want His people to return to Him completely? It is because God wants to bless us. It's only when we repent and walk in holiness that we can truly experience God's blessing. So, dear friends, let us return to God, not just outwardly, but let us return to Him completely. And this leads us to the next point, to be holy and to be blessed, let us treat our sin seriously. Treat our sin seriously. Haggai 2.11 Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priest about the law. In this message, God commanded the people to ask their priest. Why? Because the priests are the spiritual leaders of Israel. It is their job to teach and interpret God's law to the people. The priests were to answer any questions the people might, have, might ask about God's ordinances. So God tells his people to ask the priest these two questions. And here's the first question in verses 11 to 12. Question number one. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold the bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said no. So let me give you a background on this. The Old Testament law recorded in the five books of Moses or the Pentateuch are categorized into three types. There are three types of laws in the book of Moses. The moral laws, the civil laws, and the ceremonial laws. And the questions here in these verses fall under the ceremonial laws connected to the temple sacrifice. You see, when a priest offers an animal sacrifice, this is what he would do. He would cut the best part of the meat to offer it to God. This meat is now set apart and is considered holy. The priest would then wrap it around in his robe to carry it around the tabernacle or the temple. Now, if the priest's garment that had the holy meat in it accidentally touched something, what happens to those things? Nothing. Why? Because the garment won't be able to transfer the holiness of the meat to the other objects. In short, holiness doesn't rub off. And the priest, knew the, the priest knew this and the people knew that. And so using the first question, God reminded his people this important lesson. Holiness is non-transferable. 
Holiness is non-transferable. Purity cannot be transferred. And here's the next question in verse 13. Then Haggai said, If someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? And the priest answered and said, It does become unclean. The Old Testament ceremonial laws teaches that when a person touches a dead body, that person becomes unclean. Now, when this unclean person touches other objects, what happens? Those objects become defiled and unclean as well. In other words, uncleanness and unholiness can easily be transmitted. So with this second question, God reminded His people this critical lesson. While holiness is non-transferable, but unholiness is easily transmitted. Unholiness or impurity is easily transmitted. Now, these two spiritual lessons taken from Israel's ceremonial laws highlighted an important contrast. Holiness cannot be transferred, but unholiness can. And Haggai then goes on to apply this lesson to God's people. Verse 14, Then Haggai answered and said, So it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so with the work of their hands, what they offer is unclean. And with this statement, God corrected the view of his people. God corrected their wrong thinking. You see, this is what they believe. First, when Israelites were in exile, they were unclean because they believe they, they live in a foreign country and they live with pagan people. These foreigners and pagans were unclean people since they worship other gods. But now they're back in the Holy Land of Israel. The people now believe that they were already clean and acceptable before the Lord. The second, the Jews were now offering sacrifices again at the altar of the Holy Temple. Not only that, they were already currently working again on building God's temple. So God's people thought that all is well. and They believed that they were practicing and fulfilling the religious obligations that made them holy and clean before God. But God corrected their distorted view and reminded them through the prophet Haggai, So it is with my people, declares the Lord, and so with every work of their hands, what they offer there is unclean. So what was God trying to say here through the prophet Haggai? God was telling his people that they were still in sin, that there is sin in their midst. Yes, they were moved when they first heard the preaching of God's word. Yes, they started to rebuild the temple. But there's a major problem. They remain unclean and their sins were staining their good work. Their sins were being transferred from their hearts down to their hands into the bricks and stones that they were using to build God's temple. And God pointed out this to his people, that without holiness, everything they touch, everything they do, no matter how good or how godly it is, it will become unholy. And God wanted them to realize that it is not just important for them to do God's work with their hands, it's equally important to do God's work with holy hands. And this same principle applies to us today. It is not enough for you and I to do God's work with our hands. It's equally important for you and I to do God's work with holy hands. But the question is, do we have holy hearts? Do we have holy hands? And again, if God's people remain unholy because they have not fully returned to the Lord, God could not bless them because they have unclean hands and impure hearts. Now, how does this apply to us today? Just like in Haggai's time, so it is with us. First, holiness, like our health, it's not transferable. Like our physical health, is 
it's non-transferable. You may be the healthiest person in your family, you may eat right, you get good rest and exercise, but you cannot transfer your health to your spouse, to your children or siblings or loved ones. And it's the same way with our spiritual life. Holy things cannot make us holy. Even if you have a godly spouse, even if you have a godly parent or a godly life group leader, they cannot make you holy. Yes, they can help us and inspire us to walk with God, but their holiness won't rub off on us. We won't catch their holiness. In the same way, attending church cannot make us holy. Reading the Bible cannot make us holy. Volunteering or serving in the ministry cannot make us holy. And what would make us holy? It's only when we truly return to God. It's only when we turn to God completely so we can be holy and we can be transformed from the inside out. And here's another thing that applies to us today. Unholiness is easily transmitted. Like sickness, unholiness could be easily transmitted. Earlier, we noted that we could not transfer our health, but the opposite is true. If we have a cold or a virus, you can easily transmit your germs or sickness to others. Just take, for example, the COVID-19. Why do we wear face masks? Why do we wear face shields and practice physical distancing? We can't go to school. We can't go to church. We can't even do the things that we want to do. Why? Because we are treating COVID-19 seriously. We know that COVID-19 is contagious. It is infectious. And the same is true with our sin. We need to treat our sin seriously because sin is like a virus that makes us unholy and unclean. And it doesn't stop there. Our sin doesn't just stay with us. It contaminates and it will stain everything that we touch. I'm reminded of the story of King Midas. He was given a power to turn all things that he touched into gold. But he later realized that it's more of a curse than a blessing because even, even his food, it turned into gold. So it's really a curse than a blessing. So imagine, because of our sins, we have unholy hands and our unholy hands can make everything that we touch impure and unclean. And this is an important principle that we need to remember. Our sin will stain our work and worship. Our sin will stain our work and worship. And that is why we need to treat our sin seriously. Now, what would happen if we keep on coming to God with sin in our lives? Two things will happen. First, when we go to God with our sins, God will see our offerings as useless. Recall what God told his people during this time, Malachi's time, in Malachi chapter 1, verse 10. Oh, that one of you should shut the temple door so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. Did you hear that? God says, I am not pleased with you. Just think about it. Our holy God cannot take pleasure in us and our defiled sacrifices because of our sin. Now, is this something what you want to happen in your life? You put so much effort to make the sacrifice, to offer something to God, but in the end, He will not accept it. We may go to church, we may sing to God, we may offer our gifts, we may serve others, and yet God may not be pleased. Why? Because if we do these things with our sin in our lives, our sins make us unholy. Our disobedience makes us unclean before the Lord, and everything that we touch will be defiled by our sins. The second, God will shut off His blessings. Haggai 2, 15, 16. 
Now then consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon the stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were but twenty. You see, because of their sins, the people of God suffered difficulties. Their expected abundance turned into disappointments. For many years, their return on investment was very disappointing. They only harvested 50% of what they expected, and the wine was even worse. The grapes only produced 40% of what should be the output. And what or who caused this? Verse 17 tells us, I struck you with all the products of your toil, with blight and with mildew and with hail, and yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. You see, for the second time, the Lord tells them that it was He who sent the drought. It was He who sent them disaster. God struck His people with the covenant curses. Why? Haggai tells us that not just the source of this, but also the purpose of their problem. God said, I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and mildew and with hail. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. God caused their problems and difficulties. But there's an ultimate reason behind that. And what is it? So that the people would return to him. You see, this is the heart of God. He wants to lead his people back to him. He did it out of his love for his people. God used his power over the natural calamities to call the people's attention. So that in the end, the people would return and that, in, that would follow. He can bless them after they repent. But did Israelites responded to God's discipline? What did they do? Sadly, they did not listen. And this is what God said. I already turned your blessing into disappointments and yet you did not return to me. So dear friends, how about us today? Just think about your life and let's, let's reflect on what's going on in us and around us. I believe that God is using this COVID-19 pandemic to get our attention, to get the people's attention, especially our attention as God's people, as His church. And during this pandemic, did things change? For some people, yes. It's good that they came back to their senses and turned back to God. But for others, they continued pursuing worldly pursuits. Google Trends recorded that there were, at the height of the pandemic from January 9 to May 25 of this year, there was a significant increase in the use and consumption of pornography worldwide. Imagine that. Because of the quarantines and lockdown, many people use and consume pornography. Also, because of the nationwide lockdown, the community quarantine and the community quarantine, the Commission on Human Rights here in the Philippines noted that there could have been a drastic increase in domestic violence, in physical abuse, and even sexual abuse against women and children. This is very sad. You see, in times of distress, we have two options. Either we return to God or we run further from Him. The question is, which one would you choose? Are you returning to God or are you running away from Him? Now here's the point. Let us treat our sin seriously because our sin will stain our work and worship. It's holiness that would bring God's blessing back to us. Remember, the filthiness of our sins will block and destroy God's intended blessing for us, God's intended blessing for you and your family, for our church, and even for our country. And so let us not forget God's message for us through Haggai. To be blessed, we need to be holy. Let us be holy so that we can be blessed. The last, to experience God's blessing, let us take time to reflect and obey immediately.
Make time to reflect and obey immediately. Haggai 2.18 Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider. Notice what God said here. Consider from this day onward. Earlier in verse 15, God said the same thing to them. However, in verse 15, God pointed His people to the time when they did not obey the Lord. Verse 15, now, Then consider from this day onward, before a stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? At that time, the people have not yet obeyed God's command. They have not yet started rebuilding the temple. And what's the result? Their blessings turned into disappointments. Now, what do the people need to consider and reflect on? First, God wanted His people to reflect on their past. Notice the phrase, before one stone was laid on another. And not only that, God wanted His people to reflect also in their present. Note the verse, consider from the 24th day of the ninth month, the present day. And at the same time, God wanted His people to reflect on their future. Again, in verse 18, God said, consider from this day onward. So what's the point? You see, God doesn't want His people just to focus on the pain of their past failures, on their past sins, and discouragement, and stay there. He also wants them to look to the future and move forward. And here in verse 18, that day was a significant milestone to the Jews. It was the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid and rededicated. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider, but from this day, I will bless you. God promised to bless His people. Why? Because they started obeying. The laying of the foundation of the temple was the proof of their obedience. God's people listened and they heeded the call of the prophet. They repented and committed themselves to holy living. And because of their present obedience, God encouraged His people with this great promise. Verse 19, Is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. These four crops mentioned here were essential to Israel's economy. The figs represented food, the vine for drinks, the pomegranates for coloring dye, and the olives for oil and fuel. God told His people, There's no seed in the barn because you already planted them in the ground. Your previous harvests were disappointing because it yielded nothing. Now you don't know what will happen with your seeds that you planted. You have to wait for the next harvest season six months later. But this is my promise. From this day on, I will bless you. You see, God promised His people and said, I will bless you. The phrase, I will bless you, appeared so many times throughout the scripture. And this tells us this important truth, that our God is the God who desires to bless His people. You see, our God is a loving Father who is eager to give good gifts to His children. Even when God disciplines us because of our sin and disobedience, His ultimate goal is not to reject us altogether. God wanted His people, the Jews and us today, the Lord wanted us to return to Him so that He can bless us. And what a good and faithful and loving God. Now here's another encouragement. Note that when God gave this promise to His people, the temple was not yet complete. It's just the foundation that was there. You see, God did not wait for the rebuilding of the temple to complete and finish before He assured His people. 
God was so gracious and he responded immediately to the people's effort towards spiritual renewal and obedience. So dear friends, let this be an encouragement to us. When we take that first step to obey God, he promised that he would bless us. So think about your life. Is God asking you to return to him? Then don't delay. Repent and turn away from your sins. Return to God and say to him, Lord, today, today is the day that I will obey. Say to him, Lord, today is the day that I will obey. And remember, God's promise to his people back then also applies to us today. That from our past curse, we will experience God's future blessings through our present obedience. That from our past curses, we will experience God's future blessings through our present obedience. Again, the key to God's future blessing is our present obedience. So let us do our part. Let's start sowing the seeds of obedience today. But here's a disclaimer. Yes, we will be blessed when we obey, but we may not see it right away. For instance, the Jews had to wait five to six months for the harvest to arrive. Also, God's blessing for you and me may not come in ways that you and I expect. God's blessing for us may not always come in ways that we expect. But the point is this, we need to trust God's promise. We need to trust God's promise. Do not be discouraged when you don't see God's blessing right away. Don't focus on the blessing, which you don't have control over, but concentrate on doing your best, on doing your part, and that is to obey the Lord, and that is to pursue holiness daily. And God promised that when we start sowing the seeds of obedience today, we can expect a bountiful harvest of His blessing in His time. That we can expect God's promise, His faithfulness, that He would bless us and we would receive that bountiful harvest tomorrow when we start planting the seed of obedience and holiness today. Now earlier we asked this question, what would make us holy? For the people in Haggai's time, they needed to fully return to God and then they needed to obey the Lord by rebuilding the temple. And the same is true for us today. We need to repent and we need to obey. Remember, repentance and obedience are two sides of the same coin. First, God calls us to repent from our sins. God calls us and invites us to turn away from our sin, to renounce our sin and go to Him. And God invites us to enter the greater temple and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we can now receive God's forgiveness. God is calling us to humble ourselves. See, I just want to go back to that point that we need to treat sin seriously because one effect of sin is death and separation from God. It is death for us as well. And that is a horrible death that our Lord Jesus Christ suffered on the cross. It is because sin is so serious and sin, it does not only destroy us physically, it destroys us spiritually and relationally with God and with others. So may God help us. Let us treat our sins seriously. Let us repent from our sins and let us turn to God. And God is inviting you to humble yourself and confess and admit your sins and receive God's promise of forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 tells us, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. You see, when we repent, God will cleanse us and make us holy. And not only that, when we put our faith in Jesus, we will also receive every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3-4 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ in every spiritual blessing 
in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. You see, when we are in Christ, we are now holy and blameless before God. This is our positional holiness. But it doesn't stop there. God also calls us to obey. And obedience is the evidence of genuine repentance. God calls us to obey because it is the evidence of genuine repentance. To obey, we need to exert our effort as we rely on God's Spirit to empower us. And to obey, we need to do this. We need to replace our ungodly ways with righteous living. In other words, we need to live out our holiness by obeying. We need to exercise putting off and putting on. So let me explain. As the Apostle Paul said, we need to be practicing putting off and putting on in Ephesians 4, 22-24. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And when we read the verses that follows after this in verses 25 to 32, we can divide it into two categories. For example, how can we live out our practical holiness? First, we need to put off the old, old self, put off falsehood, but then we need to put on the new self by speaking the truth. Not just putting off falsehood, but we need to move forward and obey and speak the truth. The same way goes, put off by sinning no longer in anger, but put on by limiting our anger and not sinning. We are to put off stealing and to put on honest labor and work. We are to put off corrupt talk and to put on speaking good words that build up others. We need to put off bitterness, wrath, anger, and slander, and malice. Put on the new self of kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness, and the like. And so this is what we need to do. We need to repent by putting off and we need to obey by putting on. So dear friends, reflect on your life. What are the things that you need to put off? What are the sins that you need to renounce? What are the sins that you need to repent from? And what are those things that you need to put on? What are those godly things that God is asking you to pursue? Is it loving your wife? Is it respecting your husband, submitting to your husband? Is it not exasperating your children? Is it pursuing holiness and purity? Is it guarding your eyes, guarding your thoughts, guarding your mouth? Think about it. You may also look at other examples of pursuing practical holiness in these passages in Colossians 3, 5-17 and Galatians 5, 16-26. And I encourage you to do this. And let me give this to you as your homework. Use these verses and ask yourself, in what areas do I lack holiness? In what areas do I need to grow in holiness? Do this and make this part of your New Year's resolution. Let us obey, let us pursue holiness so that we can experience the blessing of God because holiness brings blessing. At this point, let me close with this quote from one preacher. And this is something that I want us to think of and reflect on and may this serve as a challenge to us. I have a growing concern that younger evangelicals do not take seriously the Bible's call to personal holiness. We are too at peace with worldliness in our homes, too at ease with sin in our lives, too content with spiritual immaturity in our churches. God's mission in the world is to save a people and to sanctify His people. 
To be sure, there is a rash of moralistic teaching out there. But sometimes we go to the other extreme and we act as if the Bible shouldn't advise our morals at all. We've been afraid of words like diligence, effort, and obedience. We've downplayed verses that cause us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 2.12, or command us to cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit in 2 Corinthians 7.1, or warn against even a hint of immorality among the saints in Ephesians 5.3. I find it telling that you can find plenty of young Christians today who are really excited about justice and serving their communities. But where are the Christians known for their seal for holiness? Where is the corresponding passion for honoring Christ with Christ-like obedience? Where are the Christians known for their seal for holiness? Where is the corresponding passion for honoring Christ with Christ-like obedience? Brothers and sisters, may this call be a challenge to us. May you and I be passionate to honor God through our Christ-like obedience. And may you and I pursue God's mission. And let us remember, God's mission is not just to save us, but also to sanctify us. So what would be your choice? Today, we've learned about this important lesson through the prophet Haggai. That holiness brings blessing. And to be holy, and to be blessed, let us do these things. Let us turn to God completely. Let us treat our sins seriously. And let us take time to reflect and obey immediately. And as we plant the seeds of repentance and obedience today, we can look forward to God's promise of harvest tomorrow according to His time and in His ways. And as you trust the Lord and wait upon Him, may you and your family experience a blessed new year, a blessed 2021. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the message of Haggai. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us, Lord God, that you are the God who greatly desires to bless your children. You are a loving Father, Lord God, who only desires to give good gifts to your children. Father, forgive us for many times that we have run away from you, that we have not returned to you. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Help us, Lord God, to come to our senses and uh, grant us that repentance, Lord God. Grant us the heart to return to you. Embrace us once more. Forgive us of our sins and help us to recommit our lives, to rededicate our lives. Cleanse us, O oh God, with the blood of Christ. And I pray, Lord God, that you grant us the, the strength, Lord God, to follow you wholeheartedly. Empower us with your spirit. Help us to exercise diligence, exercise godliness, Lord God, as we live our lives daily to honor you. Thank you, Lord. And in everything that we do, may you alone be glorified. I pray for those, Lord God, who are struggling right now, whether they have a sickness or challenges, Lord God, in their um, health, Lord God, I pray that you grant them healing, O Lord. Enable them, Lord God, to taste, Lord God, your healing and grant them, Lord God, the peace of your presence. I pray for those who are people, for those people who are taking care, especially of their sick family members. May you grant them extra grace. May you help them, Lord God, to uh, be sustained, Lord God, and to find peace, Lord God, uh, amidst, Lord God, the case, the worries, and the anxiety. I pray, Lord God, for those who are discouraged, Lord God, in running the race. May you keep them uh, safe, Lord God. May you give them strength. May you allow them, Lord God, to rise up again and, and not to give up. Even though they stumble, Lord God, help them, Lord God, to pick up themselves and enable them to have that second win to run the race once more. And for all of us as a church, grant us your presence. Help us, Lord God, to love you, to love one another, and to, to live for your glory alone. Thank you, Jesus, and we just commit to you this day. 
all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us and may God's word strengthen us for another week. At this point, I invite you to do your family talk. Share with your family members the lesson that you've learned today. Think of specific ways how you can apply the truth that you have learned this week. So at this point, I invite you again to bow your heads or you can stand and just uh, receive this benediction. So bow your heads and let me bless you. As you face the new year, may you follow the Lord faithfully. May you love Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. May you love others as Christ loves you. And as you face your trials and temptations, may Christ's Spirit empower you. May you keep on running the race with endurance. May you keep yourselves holy and blameless through the power of the Spirit. In everything that you do, may He establish the work of your hands. And may you always pursue godliness for the glory of God. Now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand in His holy presence, blameless and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be the glory, the honor, power, dominion, and authority, both now and forevermore. Amen and amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you again very much. See you again next time. May you have a hopeful new year and a blessed 2021.